when we first started XR Global, we're like, how do we create the most impact? How do we lower the barrier of entry to VR across emerging markets? Not only for training, but I, I just can't even stop to imagine the possibilities of this, just taking it into a whole new world. But I'm wondering for those who are being taught in rural settings where they've never perhaps had technology, like uh, what is the learning curve from a VR point of view before you even get into the learning curve for the material and the content? There's still challenges there, but I do think that we're moving there in the future. Hi, and welcome to the Expansive Podcast. My name is Eric Kruger, and you are joining us today in for a very special episode, a conversational style episode where we invite someone doing some incredible things to have a conversation with John and I. And as always, um, and as you might expect, if you've been listening to the past 115 episodes of this podcast, uh, I am joined by my ever elegant co-host. Uh, I'm not even sure where in the world, you, you're probably in Cape Town. Where are you? John Sonnet. I, I'm in, uh, yes. Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How's it? What's up? Uh, I guess everybody who listens to this knows who I am, but thank you very much. Um, I'll be in Mexico next week. So yes. And then San Francisco. So yes, for the moment, Cape Town, and I'm looking after Bean. If you follow me on social media, I know exactly who Bean is, uh, my favorite dog yeah, in the world. Not, yeah. It's not an actual uh, Bean. It's a, it's a dog. Yes. It's a dog. It's a dog. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So uh, today we, we are joined by Natalie Miller, an American that's uh, chosen Africa as her home. A fascinating uh, situation because most people from Africa are going to America. So wonderful that you're joining us here on the African continent. But when Natalie reached out to me explaining to her what a business does, I did not realize how quickly and how expensive the virtual reality world is at the moment and where mm. it's going. The stats that were shared with me were just mind-blowing in many ways. And if you have listened to the podcast, you know I've got some ideas around virtual reality, helping us bend reality in many different ways as the world of digital imprints our conscious and subconscious in many different ways. But let's get to Natalie because I think she has some incredible stories to share with us. She runs a business called, well, she's a founder of a co-founder of a business called XR Global, and they're transforming training through virtual reality, taking the classroom in its in its most incredible way to the African continent, teaching people some amazing things out there uh, in the Bundu, as they say in South Africa, but out there in the Bundu is having access to some amazing technology. So Natalie, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever anybody's listening to this from. How are you? Good afternoon. All is well here in beautiful Cape Town. Good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I've given a very small and short intro to who you are and what you do. Please uh, enlighten us and our listeners about what it is you do and more about XR Global. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, as you can tell, and as you mentioned, I'm American, but moved nearly 17 years ago, actually, to, to South Africa, originally with the global nonprofit Operation Smile to um, provide free surgery to children um, and adults with cleft lips and cleft palates and training for medical uh, professionals. Um, helps open up 14 countries across Africa with them. Then ended up kind of going, going to business school and focusing more on um, impact, but with a, um, a for-profit model. Got involved in the whole impact um, innovation space with, a, with Impact Hub Network, um, supporting local hubs across Africa in really cool places like Bamako, Mali, and Khartoum, and, and Harare, and so forth. Um, and then got into the fintech world, and from there, agri, ran an agri-tech company. And actually, that's where I met my, my now co-founder, Brian, um, who 
really was the one who introduced me to the completely transformational world of virtual reality when it comes to training. So yeah, in 2019, we co-founded XR Global um, and we've now trained more than 70,000 people across four countries in Africa thus far. Mm. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Now let's just try and take that number 70,000 and try and put 70,000 people through a classroom or a school. You're talking mammoth numbers here. So just explain to us, what do you educate? How do you educate them? Like, tell us, talk us through that process. Yeah, it's interesting. I, so my, my co-founder and I always talk, is it education? Is it tr training? Like, how do we describe? And yeah, as you say, I mean, we can get into a little later, but we have like a, a meta academy. So we have like an actual virtual classroom. Um, but we also we've been focusing um, up till now primarily with um, like workforce training or, um, you know, we started training in the agri space. So we worked with uh, partners like USAID Feed the Future in in both Rwanda and Mozambique um, with Bayer, with some of the universities. I mean, basically take existing curriculum um, and let's let's use an example. So we, we did a study with USAID Feed the Future in Rwanda um, and traditionally they had taken agri-dealers and put them into a classroom setting. Right. So agri-dealers, which are basically um, people that have small businesses selling you know, fertilizer or seed, um, they're taken into a classroom, given a three to four hour class. Um, and so we, we did the same thing for a control group. So those agri-dealers had a 5% increase in knowledge from baseline. Then we took that three to four hours of classroom training and it was IFC course materials. And we transferred it into 30 minutes virtual reality module. And those agri-dealers had a 45% increase in knowledge. Okay. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you get to those big numbers. Uh, a ninefold. What are yeah. you doing in that 30 minutes that's different from the classroom in three to four hours? You're completely immersing them into a deeper, more authentic experience. So instead of being talked at, instead of being in a classroom where you know, half of us, you know, are talking on our mobile phone while half listening, um, you actually put on a headset and you're immersed into this virtual world. And so instead of being talked at, you're ex experiential learning. It's you know, doing and, 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 and engaging. Um, and so really, if you think about it, you can cut, I mean, we're on average cutting 60% of, of like decreasing training time by 60% because you don't have to give a lot of the context because you just put them in that context. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible because you can actually explain through. Yeah. I suppose it's like explaining a movie to somebody and then just showing them the movie. Is that right? Like, mm. it's like you just, it, 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 the translation is not necessary through words when experiences, you're almost there. I mean, I've seen a couple of stats, 34% uh, insurance claims increase of TVs being broken because people are wearing virtual reality headsets, playing games in their <gasps> in their um, lounges. Mm. Um, uh, and so, you know, and also then you have the, and it happened to me, which is so weird because you watch these people walking the plank in a virtual oh, yeah. world and they can't walk a plank because, and it happened to me. I couldn't walk the plank. I was like, I don't want to do that. It's far too dangerous. <laughs> and I, I knew I was in my lounge, but I still couldn't do it. So it's almost like so real. Your brain almost can't tell the difference in many ways. In Dubai, they've got something 
where they take you through a, a dinosaur world, but where the dinosaur comes, you reach out and you feel one of its whiskers. But what they've done is they've just put something that looks and feels, not looks, but feels like a whisker. So, you you know, mm. you can really take and transport people into another world. Uh, I, I think not only for training, but I, I just can't even stop to imagine the possibilities of this, just taking it into a whole new world. But tell me now, you've done 70,000 people in Africa. What are the cost implications of the headsets? How do you get them there? What, what's that detail? Yeah, well, so we, we actually didn't want to get into hardware. Um, you know, we were focused on building VR content and eventually kind of being a, a hub, VR content hub. But we realized, you know, especially in Africa and emerging markets, because we're soon going to lack and um, hopefully in the in the near future, Asia, um, with a big partner there, um, that we we need to provide the hardware. So basically, we lease headsets um, over a 12 month period. But we and we put our platform that enables us to one 24 seven support it, but to have a customized automated trigger as soon as you put it on your content comes up. Um, and then three, be able to remotely push content. So as you can imagine, like, well, we build new content, you don't want to have to, you know, plug things in and download mm. it, you can actually just um, remotely push that content. Um, so yeah, it's there's headsets. I mean, this um, here is a is a Pico. I'll show you. Um, we build to all the headsets. You know, Oculus Quest Two is the most well known by Facebook, um, and we we have a partner, GPVR, um, which is a competitor um, who's done amazing things with us. They actually, um, in order to support us with rural training, um, we can do the off. We can do these training modules in offline mode, so you don't need internet. But when we built out. Um, our other product, which is a, multi, a VR multi-user platform. So basically 20 of us from around the world can put on a headset and enter into a fully brandable, customizable environment to do a workshop, to do a training, to do any type of product launch. That's We're working on with MasterCard on that. Um, and then teleport into experiences. Um, but that takes Wi-Fi or internet. So DPVR helped um, and actually build out the first commercially um, sold data-enabled headset so that we can use 4G SIM mm. for it and don't need Wi-Fi, which is great. Tell me, um, I've seen, you know, when I look at, at uh, different people trying to engage with VR, um, it's been interesting to see, like, the, the young digital natives, you know, they take to it, like, very, very easily. And... You know, if I think of my own experience, you know, I've, I grew up playing games and many of those mechanics are game mechanics, like once you get into it. Um, but I'm wondering for those who are being taught in rural settings where they've never perhaps had technology, like uh, what is the learning curve from a VR point of view before you even get into the learning curve for the material and the content? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good question because we... Pretty much, I mean, it. We had a we had a slow start, right? And when we started XRG, because it was about getting people to understand it's not the future; it's now. Um, you know, I, I think John said, you know, it's becoming. Some people are calling it mainstream in the states. Like, you know, uh, Bank of America has trained across all four thousand three hundred branches in VR. You know, at, um, Accenture bought sixty thousand headsets. Walmart seventy five thousand. In emerging markets, though, this is like what we're gonna mm. we're gonna train in rural areas 
But if you think about it, we're solving some of the biggest um, challenges that, that, that trainers face. So, you know, when you started moving to computer-based training and then, but how do you get laptops? Then it's mobile-based training. And we're been shown by numerous studies like PwC, Harvard Business Review, Forbes, that we're more than four times more effective than computer-based trainings um, or mobile app-based trainings. And you don't need that hardware. So all you really need is the headset. And it's so simplistic, especially, you know, if you buy an Oculus from a store in the, in the States or whatever, you have to sign into Facebook and so forth. When we put our platform, it's automatic trigger. You put it on, you don't have to do anything. Mm. So really, we just do um, like a training of facilitators just to explain the world of VR a little bit and the headsets, but it doesn't need really it doesn't have a learning curve we've been training fundies in kenya so low-level construction workers um some of them illiterate um and it's really this 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 new exciting thing because you know one of them said you know instead of being talked at we're actually learning by doing like we're mm. we're experiencing it it's experience you know like they didn't say it but it's experiential learning right so actually there's not much of a learning curve to it um, but I will say one learning for ours from us was we have to keep in mind the end trainee and their level because we can create more and more interaction. So everyone's like, I want it as interactive as possible. But maybe with some train groups of trainees, you don't want it too interactive. Um, so, yeah, it's really about that and how you design the actual training modules. Um, I can't think of any sector that can't benefit from this. I mean, think about like doctors, engine engineers, gardeners, uh, hairdressers. I mean, just keep going. I, I can't imagine one sector that can't benefit from being there before they're actually being there. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's in fact, even maybe a public speaker, you could, you could put yourself into a situation where you have 10,000 people in front of you and you have to talk and Maybe mm -hmm. even that, like getting over your nerves to a certain extent, you know, if, if, if that's your thing, right? Exactly. Where, no, where, exactly. Do you see, where, where do you see this going? I mean, it, it, I think virtual reality has been with us for a while. We kind of understand it, so we, we, but we, it's not become mainstream for us to use. I mean, I've put on an Oculus a few times. I feel a little bit seasick after a while. Mm. And I think we're still getting that right. It's, it's, it's quite like chunky still. Yeah. Where do you see it going? What, what are your pre predictions for, for the next five years for VR? Yeah, well, it's super interesting, um, and especially that you say that across sectors, because, um, yeah, I just actually had a, a meeting this morning with a, a very large health uh, medical group um, around this, and th which completely excites me from my 12 years with Operation Smile and the massive potential there. And if you watch, like, um, The Good Doctor, you'll see they're already using it in, 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 you know, they're using it all over, and TV is even showing how simulation is being um, used in the medical sphere. But anyway, um, basically, in my view, so we have what we started with when we first started XR Global. We're like, how do we create the most impact? How do we lower the barrier of entry to VR across emerging markets? And we started thinking mobile VR, right? Because we're like, all right, well, Headsets, you know, you still like they're 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 price wars and the prices are coming down significantly. However, you know, it's still something and every, you know, people are starting more and more to have mobile phones. Can we do this? And we've we've actually done pilots with both mobile VR and all-in-one headsets, but the, we're not there yet with mobile VR just because 
even though the chips are now being made, so they're all VR enabled now, you know, we in Africa have like, you know, decade old phones still that we're using and we don't all have smartphones yet. And there's still an, an internet thing. Even if you do an offline app, you have to download it. So there's still challenges there, but I do think that we're moving there in the future that, you know, we're going to get to the point where these like, you know, Google cardboard or these were, which were made by our partner in Houting for less than 150 grand branded um, are going to be, you know, ambiguous and, and, mm. and, you know, it, that experience is going to even be even better. Um, we're just not so, there yet. So are you saying that our mobile phones with the right chips in them will become the virtual reality with a little gadget stuck on top of it? Um, or, you know, you can, I've, I've used one of those Google things. And just for the listeners who are not watching this on video, uh, Natalie has been holding up different types of goggles. And she was just holding up uh, uh, one made in the Gauteng in Johannesburg or in the Gauteng somewhere for, what do you say, 100 Rand? 150 Rand branded. Yeah. 150 Rand. So you can put, slide mm. your phone in there and you have a virtual reality experience. And we all know with technology, it's 150 Rand today and tomorrow it's 50 cents and you get a video recorder or a VHS or, I don't know, a DVD player for it, you know, thrown in. Um, yeah. Uh, Eric, have you got any other questions? I see, I see our time's up. I told you, time just goes so quickly. All of a sudden. Yeah, really it really does fly. Already. It really does fly. Yeah. Actually, you know, what I've been wondering in the background without thinking about the VR side of it is just, you know, the... Um, the challenge that you guys have taken on is quite challenging, large, large <laughs> in size. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just wondering what, what motivated you to take it on part A and part B is also, do you have a specific framework for how you think about taking on and deconstructing these challenges and maybe even prioritizing them? Cause it seems like there are many layers to it. It's not just like this one thing. It's like, you know, yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting question because I've asked myself many times. <laughs> um, you know, I I really did this by accident. I mean, no one. I, I had a baby, new baby, and during COVID in the last couple of years, I, you know, I was never planning on starting a business like at that time at all. Um, and but I just honestly fell in love with this, like. As you heard from my intro, I've worked across multiple sectors in, in Africa and before that in Asia. And they're like, we're throwing tens or hundreds of billions of dollars into training, mass trainings and like financial inclusion, all these things. But are we being effective about it? And is there a way to do it better and to do it at scale? Um, and I, I'm really excited about it. You know, I mean, it's a new thing we're trying. And, and, and I guess to break down your question a little further, like the way we're trying to do it is say, I know this is overwhelming. I know there's a lot here, um, you know, and I know that you're not sure yet, but let us do a low cost pilot and show you and you won't go back. You know, we, we will show uh, you that this is the way forward. Yeah. That mm. is such a smart, because, you know, I, I spoke to the museum of the future about future memories. You both know about future memories and didn't quite get it. And they were very polite about it, but they didn't get it. And I, my next move with them is to show it to them because it's such a brand. It's like trying to explain somebody a TV. Like, guess what? There's this box that gives you pictures and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't get it. And until you've actually seen a TV, it's just no points. And so this is the real paradigm shift that you are leading in many ways. And 
obviously with your background, always being involved with charities and uplifting humanity and bravo to you for that. I mean, that's really fantastic. And thank you so much for helping so many people on the African continent. But you're not only leading the, the sort of technological race, but you're also doing it with such a wonderful uh, a directive of upgrading Africans on the African continent. I know you're going to be doing more, but really uplifting people in Rwanda and Kenya to become better at what they do. And obviously South Africa as well. I think it's really great because I, I often get this question after my talks is what about Africa? Like where is Africa in the space, you know? And it's people like you and your company XR Global that is letting us access those technological advances at a fraction of the cost and uplifting us and upgrading us at an expansive rate. So thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate that. Thanks, John. Thanks, John, for the opportunity. Yeah. Eric, uh, any so, closing remarks from you? No, that was great. Uh, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if people want to find out more about the work that you do, where can they find more information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, our website is xrglobaldev.com, um, or you could reach me at nmiller uh, at xrglobaldev.com. And so who would typically get in touch with you? Any sort of large organization that wants to do uh, training for their people? Like who's Absolutely. your ideal client here? Um, we're talking to banks, um, different training organizations, um, companies that have, um, we're even doing HR onboarding now on the multi-user platform. So mm. it's really across the board, um, medical um, side as well. So yeah. Awesome. awesome as john says there's it's limitless it's limitless. <laughs> it's limitless it's limitless if you own a hairdressing salon and you want somebody to be trained yeah. i mean anything like you can just think about it it's <laughs> mad I, I i am so excited about it I, in one of my talks i talk about uh, uh, limitless travel from japan airlines and how they have got these humanoid robots in cities around the world. And you can put a VR headset and a haptic suit on, and you can experience what these robots are experiencing in other cities. So, you know, you and your grandmother could go to Sydney for an hour, take over these two robots, uh, put on a virtual headset and a haptic suit, and just experience what Sydney's like for an hour. I can't wait till they get the taste and smell right. We're so fast just hearing. Yeah, of it's course it's coming. coming. Yeah. There's no doubt it's Absolutely. coming, you know? <laughs> so it really does open up the world and makes the world an incredibly small village in so many different ways. Mm. So. so that is it from us for this episode of Expansive Conversations. Uh, we really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, you can leave us a rating or review on Spotify or iTunes. We love receiving these, uh, knowing what you are doing when you are listening to the podcast, uh, where you are in the world, and how we can improve the podcast. Also, make sure to check out a new format that we have called You Ask, We Answer, where each week John and I alternate in doing a small solo episode where we answer some listener questions. You can uh, ask a question of us by going to Instagram, to The Expansive, and asking a question there. As always, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate your time and your attention. Until next week, bye-bye.